Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hey guys, how are you doing today? You are going to want to strap yourself in for these next couple of episodes um, because I am going to be unpacking some stuff that is going to take us on a wild ride. However, it seems that a lot of you are already in front of the ball curve on this one. Uh, you guys have been lately dropping some different bits of information to me, which has been great. Love it when you guys do that. Um, and it's all to do with, as you would already know from the title of today, I want to unpack a whole heap of things about Disney. Uh, so I've called today is Disney skating on thin ice. Um, now, I've started this in my parenthood episode and I need to talk about Disney because you guys need to know what is going on because we all let this stuff into our homes on a daily basis, right? Because we all trust Disney, good old fashioned magical world of Disney. Um, but this is going to be relevant guys to not just parents. This is going to be relevant to everyone, and I'll explain why in just a minute. So it's going to go across a couple of episodes, starting today, Parenthood Friday, going into Wednesday next week. Uh, we'll see if we need to do a third one. We might leave it on too, but we'll see how we go. But I want to start it here because I think, um, look, at first I thought Disney mostly impacted parents, but I'm actually wrong about that, and you're going to see why I'm wrong about that as I go. But let's just start with parents, because Disney's something that, um, you know, we all let into our homes because we trust it, and it's innocent, and it's magical, and we've all got great memories of it. But we as parents, and then us as consumers as a whole, need to be super aware these days more and more of what we're consuming. And of course, what we're letting our kids consume. It's so easy just to pop the TV on, pop the iPad on, uh, pop the ABC on, pop the Disney channel on and just think that our kids are in safe hands. But um, that's no longer the case. We need to be assessing everything that we let into our home. Because if we don't, by the time we do become aware of what's actually going on, it might just be too late on this one. Um so I can pretty much guarantee that the new values and agenda that's been adopted by modern Disney is going to shock you, disturb you, and so it should because our kids are at stake here. Our kids are impressionable and modern Disney not only know it, they're actually betting on that fact because they're wanting to shape a new generation of children and that should darn well petrify all of us. So I am talking about modern Disney because I want to make a distinction between the two, which we'll kind of go through today, um, because modern Disney is far from the Disney that we all think of in our minds when we think of the Disney that we grew up with. So this will take a few episodes to unpack. Uh, like I said, it's going to branch across our Friday, well, except I was a day late in recording this one, sorry guys, um, and, and our Wednesday episode. And the reason I'm going to branch across is because, yes, it's for parents, but it's actually for all of us because it impacts all of us. Now, 
Hold on to your seatbelt, guys. I didn't know this until I started looking into it because Disney owns, and this is not an exhaustive list, by the way, they own way more companies than what I could poke a stick at, but they own, and these you'll all be familiar with, Marble, Marble, Marvel, 21st Century Fox, Lucasfilm, Pixar, ABC, not, not our ABC, I don't think, although I should look into that. It's an American ABC. ESPN, Touchstone Pictures, The History Channel, Hollywood Records, National Geographic, and so many more. Like, that's just scratching the surface. Plus, they have their hand in hundreds of other companies that they don't own. Are you getting my drift? They're massively, massively um, influential. Uh, So Disney are behind all these different things that you would know, like Star Wars, the Muppets. I loved the Muppets growing up. My favorite. I used to watch that every week. Uh, The Marvel Cinematic Universe, except not X-Men yet. Of course, the Disney princesses and princes, the Chronicles of Narnia franchise, the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, Indiana Jones franchise, and wait for it, guys. Also, Grey's Anatomy, The Bachelor and Dancing with the Stars. Like, has that just totally shocked you? And I could go on and on. There's actually more companies that they either own or have their hand in. So Disney is far bigger than the Disney Channel or, and of course you've got the amusement parks, um, but far bigger than anything actually labeled Disney. They've got their hand in a lot. Now, we all have memories of Disney. Like, have a think about it. What was your favorite? What did you love growing up? I mean, for me, it was probably Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, um, Mickey Mouse. Uh, we had cartoons all the time when I was growing up with Donald Duck. My uncle actually, one of my uncles has actually died um, quite a while ago, but he used to always mimic Donald Duck's voice. And we used to think it was hysterical. We used to laugh and laugh, all of my cousins. Um, but you know, we've all got memories, whether it's Mickey Mouse, Frozen, Beauty and the Beast, Disneyland, you know, the place where dreams are made and the happiest place on earth. So let me just track you back through a little bit of the history of Walt Disney and of Disney as a company, because I think we need to understand where it's come from in order to be able to fully appreciate where it's going. Now, This is kind of my jam because I think I've told you guys before, I've grown up very much in this world because um, my dad is an animator. I don't know if any of you grew up with the um, Hunt with Huru books. Um, They used to be on all the Qantas airlines and in the Women's Weekly, plus, of course, in all of our libraries and you could buy the books. But anyway, they were my dad's books. So I grew up um, in this whole kind of world. Um, So Walt Disney himself creative man, um, had plenty of failures before he had success, but he was born in 1901 and then he died in 1966. I think he died of lung cancer from smoking. Um, I I could say something there, but that's okay. No, I was going to say, you know, and that was back when they said cigarettes were good for you. Yeah, that turned out to be wrong. Um, anyone, he, anyway, he was an American animator, film producer, and entrepreneur. Now, in his very early 20s, so we're talking the early 1920s, he set up Disney Brothers Studio with his brother Roy. 
And Walt Disney Company since then has provided us obviously with hundreds of animated characters through movies and merchandise and of course the amusement parks. Now the first character he developed, little old Mickey Mouse in 1928 guys, that is how old Mickey Mouse is. And then after that, soon followed Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Pinocchio. He was one of the first, no, I think he was the first person to synchronize animation with sound. And so we had, uh, yeah, Pinocchio, Dumbo, Bambi. They were amongst his first animated films in like the early, I think it was 1930s, maybe early 1940s. Now, after World War II came Cinderella and Mary Poppins, and then soon after he expanded into the amusement park industry that we know, of course, as Disneyland. Now, Walt Disney, he was amazing. He had endless vision. And he used to say, and I quote, I quote him here, that Disneyland will never be completed. It will continue to grow as long as there is imagination left in the world. Doesn't that just bring a tear to your eye? I I love quotes. I love that. He just was a man that had endless imagination and it was his vision that laid the groundwork for the company to become the media giant massive giant that it is today. Because as you can tell from all those companies that Disney owns, it is the largest media powerhouse on the planet. Now there are others that don't own everything. There's a few things left like Universal. (laughs) They don't own that. And there's a couple of others um, that definitely are massive as well. But he definitely, um, his legacy is the media powerhouse that he left behind. Now, what kind of vision did Walt Disney have for the future? He, um, his vision was to be able to integrate imagination, creativity, freedom of expression, and a touch of magic. And I think he certainly achieved what his vision was. He built his entire empire on fantasy and what he considered to be, and again, I quote him, good old-fashioned fun, end of quote. Love that. That's how he saw his uh, contribution to the world. Now, interestingly, he thrived in a time where society was going through really difficult times like the Great Depression and World War II. Now, he didn't always thrive as a businessman because he wasn't a great businessman, but he was um, a great creative. Uh, But I think he brought a lot of hope to the world, and that was another of his values. And that's probably why we find that he did so well during times where society needed a distraction and they needed, you know, that entertainment to distract them from all of the stuff that was going on around them, such as the Great Depression and World War II. Now, Disney movies have been highly studied, right? And it's been said that they have shaped children and adults' attitudes, behaviors, and morals. Now, if we were to look at the values and morals of OG Disney, okay, I call it OG, the original Disney, I think it's fair to say that there's a lot of good and perhaps perhaps there's a bit of um, a bit of bad in there, which I want us to unpack what those values and morals were in the OG Disney. But one thing Disney definitely did is um, it was all of his movies, his characters. I know that they said that they shaped children and adults' attitudes, behaviors, and morals, but 
looking back, I think that they didn't so much shape it as reflect and therefore reinforce the values of society at the time. So I think that's what Disney used to do. I don't think they were, you know, massively forward thinking and tried to change society. I think they just were responding to and reflecting society and therefore in reflecting it, they were reinforcing it. So what were some of the things that we saw in traditional OG Disney? We saw a lot of traditional gender roles, you know, damsels in distress and in need of rescue, heroes swooping in to save the day. There was a lot of good versus evil and good always won and princesses and princes. Um, Older Disney films, and of course they've been highly studied, and it's been said that they were rich in what's known as pro-social behavior. So things such as sharing and helping others and offering encouragement or compliments. And one study actually found, this is so interesting, found Disney films to contain an average of one pro-social behavior a minute. And that was in comparison to other shows that maybe showed one about every 17 minutes. So every single minute, there, there, there are examples in old OG Disney movies and films and animations where people are, where the people, the characters are sharing and helping and offering encouragement and complimenting and, um, and being good friends to one another. There was always a lot about friendships and friends helping one another. And even there's quite a few about the outcast. So think Dumbo and the Hunchback of Notre Dame. So there's a lot of animation about the outcast finding love and acceptance and belonging. And yes, by today's standards, Disney does contain, if measured by today's standards, perhaps some now questionable values such as stereotyping and traditional societal gender roles. But again, what did I say a second ago? They were reflecting the society that they were created for. So you know, the women in his, uh, the animated females in his movies were always seen working in the home, such as Snow White and Cinderella. And there were often messenger messages such as girls can only transcend to power through beauty, like think of Rapunzel or Elsa in Frozen. And look, like Dr. Seuss, there are definitely some elements of culture and race that were portrayed back then that certainly are not acceptable now. And the other downside, I think, to Disney is that there really were some very dark and evil themes. Like the witches were really evil. The evil people were really evil. The evil characters were really evil in Disney. Like I remember letting my kids watch some of the Disney that I grew up with, just thinking, oh, you know, that this was a great movie. They're going to love this one. And then I'd be sitting down watching it with them or I'd be, you know, busy doing something, but kind of watching it on the side and thinking, sheesh, <laughs> this was a lot more scary than I remember it. This is a lot more kind of evil and dark. I can't believe my mum let me watch this. So... Basically, I've got two thoughts about the Disney of old. Um, And these are my thoughts about the Disney of old before we get into what's happening now. The first one is this. Can we judge the things of yesterday by today's standards? 
What do you guys think about that? Can we judge, uh, can we judge things from back then by today's standards? And honestly, for goodness sakes, I am literally sick of seeing everything canceled from Disney to Dr. Seuss. Do you guys remember a few months back when Dr. Seuss was being canceled? And I'm like, what? I've got so many Dr. Seuss books on my shelf. I love Dr. Seuss. Um, imagine if we judged 12-year-old you by 20-year-old you. Like, can't we just accept that what might have been acceptable decades ago, back then, might not necessarily be the standards for now? And guess what? That's actually okay. Guess what? Headline news We don't need to cancel everything or erase everything that we don't like. But isn't that what the woke are calling for? This is why they topple statues and cancel Dr. Seuss, because they want to erase anything from yesterday that offends them today. And trying to erase history is what they're doing. And I think that's one of the most dangerous things that we can do. What happens if we we erase history? We should learn from history, the good and the bad. History shouldn't only be kept if it was good and erased if it was bad. We need to be able to look back at history and, and to learn from it. If we erase history, we erase our foundations and then we can't see who we were and what we've learned and what should be repeated and what should be cha- and what should be changed. Like have we become so ridiculously oversensitive. So we've seen the example just this week, and I did my podcast on this last week with Will Smith's pursuit of slappiness. I think we saw a great example of this with Will Smith. He is now being cancelled left, right, and center after his slap at the Oscars. Now, I find this fascinating because if this happened just two years ago when Black Lives Matters, BLM, was the flavor of the month, what would have been the response? Because I find it really interesting that now, just two years later, we have white uh, white directors and actors refusing to be in films with him. Wait, what? But wasn't that white supremacy just a minute ago? But see, this is what happens. See, now, now you've got the patriarchy versus skin color. And today, pulling down the patriarchy wins precedence over the color of your skin. Whereas a couple of years ago, it was the other way around. So a white woman refusing to act with a black man is quite acceptable in April 2022 because, hello, patriarchy. So can you see what I'm saying? So I think if we keep judging yesterday by today, the standards of today keep changing. So what's acceptable now might not be, sorry, what what was acceptable back then, decades ago in some of the Disney films that we watch, they're probably not going to be acceptable now. But um, it's very interesting what's happening because everyone wants to jump on this, this kind of wagon of now canceling Disney. And so my question is, can we judge yesterday by today? No, I don't think we can. Otherwise, I think we can learn, but I don't think we can judge and cancel accordingly. And my second thought around um, the OG Disney is that if Disney is supposedly so toxic in its values, 
why then is it so loved all around the world? So obviously you can see that I'm getting at the fact that Disney as a channel now, uh, their values are definitely changing and their agenda is changing because they don't like what the old Disney represented. They find that the values are toxic, but I find it so interesting that if that's the case, why do generation after generation keep watching and passing down Disney movies like folklore? Why do little girls dress up over and over in princess dresses and high heels? We've got these gorgeous girls in our church, and I think nearly every week one of them comes in her Elsa frozen outfit with these gorgeous little sparkly sequin high heels. And, you know, why do boys dress up and have pretend swords and pirate patches? You know why? Because Disney is actually appealing to something deep inside us all that girls want to be loved. And yes, maybe Disney does interpret that, um, you know, a lot of that as beautiful, as as girls being beautiful. Um, But she does want to be rescued. She does want to be the hero. And boys do want to fight for something and for someone and want to be the hero. Sorry, the girls want a hero. The boys want to be a hero. And the boys want to go on adventures and find treasure. And we all want to belong and be loved and have friends and be part of a world where we help one another. So I think Disney really does appeal to something in our souls. I think it speaks to something in our heart. Why do we have to cancel and change it and say it's toxic when clearly our little people don't seem to think so? And okay, there might be room for some healthy change and progression, but what's wrong with good old-fashioned morals? What's wrong with girls being princesses and being rescued and living happily ever after? What's wrong with the hope that's offered to us in the form of animated characters who find their happily ever after? But oh no, 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 no. The woke adults, by the way, adults, not the children, are not happy with this. They're not happy with good old-fashioned morals. They're not happy with reflecting society. No, they want to change it, shape it, force a brand new ideology onto the most vulnerable of our society, which is our children. And this increasingly woke culture is seeping in everywhere, including into Disney. So I just wondered, have you heard about this? Have you been watching Twitter? Have you been watching um, social media, even in the news? Are you aware? Do you know what is actually going on at the very top levels of stakeholders and decision makers at Disney? So that's what I'm going to go into on the next episode to really unpack what is happening. Uh, But the I'll just kind of gloss over it a bit today and just set it up for next week. Uh, but the the once innocent agenda of imagination, fantasy, good old-fashioned fun is actually being replaced by an intentional, political, woke agenda that would most likely have Walt Disney turning over in his grave. Let me give you one example Now, you guys all know Snow White. 
you remember that moment where she's laying there, she's, um, I'm trying to remember, I get all my Disney movies mixed up. I think she had the apple, the poisonous apple. So she's, she's going, um, she's in a, like a coma, I guess she's going to die and the prince comes along. And if he is her one true love, then his kiss will, um, will make her better and wake her up. And so the true love, um, you know, the prince comes and he gives her a kiss and it must be her true love because she wakes up and she looks at her prince and they fall in love and they have their happily ever after. Okay, guys, I am not kidding you. Do you know that that kiss that the prince planted on Snow White is now considered a toxic example of being non-consensual? Can you believe that? When I read that, I was like, you've got to be joking me. So the reason is she was asleep and she didn't give permission So therefore it was non-consensual. So it was abusive patriarchy power of the man over the woman. And it cannot be true love according to the woke people, because if one person was aware of the kiss and the other one was not, then it cannot be considered true love if only one person was aware and awake. So quick cancel Snow White guys don't let your kids watch Snow White. Tongue in cheek, okay? Uh, Now, Disney has tried to placate woke agenda with some changes. Can I just say this, guys? This is my observation on anyone that does this. The more you give them, the more you give in to to the bullying, the more you try and placate, they will never, ever be satisfied and the more that they will demand. And this is exactly what's happening to Disney. So Disney tried to make some changes. So they have taken a look at their current practices and their backlog of movies. And here's a couple of the changes they've made. Now, with the launch of its streaming services in 2019, people were obviously drawn to the back catalog, which soon became its biggest asset and at the same time, its biggest liability. They didn't cancel titles, but instead they added an advisory notice warning to some of them. So for example, there were some things that are now considered um, racist in Dumbo. And so before the movie comes on, there's a warning that says negative depictions and or mistreatment of people or cultures. The warning goes on to say these stereotypes were wrong then and are wrong now. And rather than remove this content, we want to acknowledge its harmful impact, learn from it and spark conversation to create a more inclusive future together. And so that, as well as in Dumbo, also appears at the start of Aladdin, The Aristocats, Peter Pan, uh, The Muppet Show, Um, even the start of um, parts of Swiss Family Robinson. Last October, or it might have been 2020, they introduced their Stories Matter initiative where they pledged to be more inclusive and consultative and they acknowledged their responsibility to, quote, consciously, purposefully and relentlessly champion the spectrum of voices and perspectives in our world. And so they've been making progress with movies such as Moana, Coco, Zootropolis, um, Raya and the Last Dragon are a few examples there. 
And all of these, they steered away from white Western male-dominated perspectives. Also, when it comes to their theme parks, they've tried to be more inclusive as an employer. Um, and so in the workplace, they've, um, they've added workplace inclusion, such as allowing gender-inclusive hairstyles and jewelry, nail style, styles, uh, and costume choices. And then with some of the rides, they've made changes like... Um, Oh, I can understand why they changed this one, but apparently the Pirates of the Caribbean had a ride where there was a picture of women tied up and being auctioned off under some banner that said, take a wench for a bride. And I'm quoting them. So that was removed in 2018. Like, so clearly some changes definitely have been needed and are good. Um, but they've, they've made changes to the Jungle Cruises ride uh, and a few others like that. The, the Splash Mountain Long Flume ride as well. And, and they've either changed or rethemed or can, or just like taken these rides away altogether. So, but basically every change that, like I said before, that Disney has made in this direction has actually become more ammunition for, um, you know, for Disney pushing its woke agenda outrage machine. So the Snow White incident and the non-consensual kiss, well, it, of course it's not going to end there. So that led to flare-ups over... Um, you know, over gender stereotyping and all sorts of stuff. And so that led to the inclusion of a gay character in the 2017 live action remake of Beauty and the Beast. And so that's just one example where when you give in one, it, it doesn't stop and it just keeps going and going. Anyway, we have hit half an hour. I told you this was going to be a lot to unpack, but I think I've been able to at least kind of give you a bit of a perspective and brought you up to speed on, um, you know, everything that kind of Disney owns, who they are, um, where they've come from. I've set a little bit of that tone and then I've brought you up a little bit to where they are. Um, well, not where they are right now, because I need to explain that to you in the next episode, but I've brought you up to speed just with, um, kind of where they were sitting around 2019. But guys, it is getting, it is heating up in Disneyland. Um, it's all over Twitter. It's a big thing at the moment. So I really want you to um, share this episode. Make sure that you share it with people, even that are not parents, because like I said, this is impacting all of us. And uh, come back on Wednesday. I'm going to continue this and to keep unpacking this even further. I think this is such an important topic. Um, yeah. So thank you for joining me. Thank you so much to those that have sent me different articles and have made me aware of different things. I really, really appreciate it because, um, you know, in my research, sometimes you guys see things that I don't see. So I love you guys for that. Thank you so much. And I appreciate all of your five-star written reviews on Apple. Thank you. If you could continue that, that would be amazing. I love you guys. Thank you for coming by and I will see you on Wednesday. Until then, have the most wonderful week. Bye.